0: This is Linda O'Brien. Thanks for joining us on the podcast series for Women Vision SC, a production of South Carolina Public Radio. This season, you'll hear from 11 women across the state. They were nominated by our listeners. This week, we talk with Karen Alexander, founder of the Auntie Karen Foundation. Welcome, Karen Alexander. If you would define your overriding life vision and how that's translated for your career...
1: My overriding vision is to use the arts to empower, enlighten, and educate. And I use that theme for the mission for the foundation. And my career has always been around using the arts.
0: What was the turning point in your life that most contributed to your success?
1: I was approaching my 40th birthday and started asking God for what is my purpose What should I be doing? And literally left my corporate job, stepped out on faith. And Auntie Karen wasn't in existence. It wasn't even on my radar. And it evolved from just stepping out on faith. And where did the name Auntie Karen come from? We called our aunts in my family Auntie. And I was visiting my cousin in California back in 1985. And his daughter Trina was with me. And he didn't want her just calling me Karen. So he coined Auntie Karen. And that's where it started. What or who gives you the most inspiration? We have uh, an event we do every year with our young entrepreneurs. And just seeing these young, vibrant kids excited about life and creative and the ideas and just seeing them get what we're trying to do with the foundation gives me inspiration.
0: What about your biggest workplace challenge today?
1: It's always around finances I'm trying to navigate between taking care of people that we've hired, because we work with independent contractors, and waiting for funds that we've earned to come in so that they never seem to merge at the same time. So my biggest challenge has always been around how do I take care of the needs that we have while waiting for the funds that we've earned.
0: And you're relying as a nonprofit on Support donations, from donations.
1: Donations, we also do a lot of fee-based services. And so, for example, if somebody sponsors us, but we have to pay for something in advance, then we have to find the money to pay for it in advance before the, the funds come in. So that's always a big challenge, which ca- cash flow would be my biggest challenge.
0: What would your advice for young women be today?
1: My overall advice would be to see yourself doing whatever it is that, that you decide that you want to do. Uh, I have what I call my faith principles, and the first one is find a purpose or a goal. A is ask for help, I is invest in your mind, T is take time to plan and think big, and H is help others. So I always see the end result first and then figure out how do I get from here, where I am, to the end result. And what is your hope for South Carolina? South Carolina has a hidden talent of artists. My hope is that we would acknowledge and appreciate the artists that are here now instead of acknowledging them once they make it big someplace else. What I would love to see is more emphasis placed on investing in our intellectual property that's already here.
0: This series is about women and some of the attributes are leadership and creativity and public service. How would you define those for a successful woman?
1: My team is majority women. And what we do is we make the impossible possible. You have to as the leader, have the vision and set the vision. And whether you see it coming or not, you have to relay that to your team that we're gonna make this happen because they rely on you, they look for you for the mode or the tone of what's gonna happen. And once I do that, then they're like, oh yeah, we can do it. So I think I would say that you have to constantly see yourself as being where you wanna be.
0: And then the part about creativity and public service, how does that play into
1: your leadership? Well, that's what we do. At the Auntie Karen Foundation, we create educational products and programs, and our mission is to use that to help the public. My main focus is working with youth. So we have several programs that we focus on youth, which would be our Young Entrepreneurs Conference. We partnered up with ETV for our free television show, which is on knowitall.org. We have artists in the schools across the state, and I'm really passionate about the rural schools that we work in.
0: And at this time, with arts being cut back in many classrooms, how do you fill that need,
1: that huge need? Well, that's what we've done. We've been doing it in an after-school setting, but now schools are using us throughout the year. So I have seasoned artists going into the classroom teaching their skill sets, especially those schools that don't have art during the regular school year. And that program is called Artpreneur.
0: So tell us about your various programs. You mentioned the Entrepreneur Program yes.
1: and also the, there's a concert series. Okay, so Artpreneur is our oldest program. It started in 2003 and that's where seasoned artists go into the schools teaching their skill sets. It started off as an after-school program and then expanded to a summer camp and now we're in the schools during the regular year. We have our Young Entrepreneurs Conference that started in 2004 and we showcase kids from seven to 22 with their own businesses. My youngest was four and she's eight and still has her company. And then we have our television show. We partnered up with ETV starting in 2006 and in 2008 we created videos using my cartoon characters. And we have a show on knowitall.org called Auntie Karen's Place and then our biggest program is our Legends of Concert series, and that's where we bring in Grammy Award-winning music legends once a year to celebrate black history. We've had people such as Gladys Knight, Shaka Khan, Al Jarreau, and it beca- that's our big fundraiser.
0: And so how do young people view that? It must be very exciting for them.
1: I, because I'm a teacher at heart, I require the artist to do a master class. And so the master class takes place. It started out at USC, but when we brought Gladys Knight, it expanded to Britton School District One auditorium. So we bring about six hundred kids from across the state together, and then they learn about whoever the artist is, and then the artist spends an intimate session with them the day before the concert. Like in two thousand eighteen, we brought Sheila E., and the Keenan High School band played Sheila E.'s music, and she invited them to open up for her at the concert. So this is really hands-on work. Yes. That these- these young people are learning about music. Yes, and for the most part, they've never heard of the artists before the concert, but they get a chance to actually learn about them and then meet them in person.
0: This series is talking about women and vision and some of the challenges that women have had. What are some of the challenges you have had as, as a woman going into running your own nonprofit organization?
1: My biggest challenge has always been finances. I've been very blessed to have an amazing group of volunteers and independent contractors and people believing in the vision, but it's always a challenge financing the vision. We make it happen and we take a vision with zero dollars and make it look like we have a million dollars. That's because we all believe in working as a team and we start attracting people who are willing to give their time and talent, they don't necessarily have the dollars to do it. So my biggest challenge in doing this has always been revenue.
0: And so to do that, one of your skill sets is really collaboration, it sounds like. Yes. Getting the Getting team partners. together. You know, we're in this Me Too movement, if you will. How has that changed the conversation about women, if it has?
1: I think it's allowed women to be more vocal about things that have happened to them. I think Me Too is triggering some memories that they've probably suppressed for a long time. I've been a part of the Anita Hill We believe in the Nita Hill team now for over 20 years. And we've been talking about this and celebrating women and having the right to speak their voices for over 20, I think it's 26 years. So the Me Too movement has just brought more attention to the fact that a lot of people have experienced sexual harassment, workplace harassment, and now they have a voice or a platform to actually talk about it.
0: Do you think in a sense then that it moves women's voices beyond the sexual harassment issues in all walks of life, in, in essence. Does it give more strength to voice?
1: I think it does, and I think it allows women to know that they're not alone, that th- there are other women that have experienced this. It may not have had a name before, but because people are now talking about it, you can associate a name with it.
0: And what would you say to a young woman today, just starting out, maybe an entrepreneur, uh, someone going into business. What My advice? biggest
1: thing is find somebody who's doing what you want to do. And even if you can't see them in person, they probably have a video or a book. And use them as a guide or a model because success leaves clues. And if somebody has done it before, there's a good chance they have already gone through the hard knocks. Like, I wish I would have had somebody that had done what I'm doing. This was kind of like on-the-job training. So I would definitely look at somebody that's, done, that's doing or has done what you want to do, and model them. Did you have a, a role model? and? Person I had who- good mentors that I could talk to, but this was brand new. We were starting everything from scratch. So this was literally, this is what we want to do, now how do we make it happen? And we figured out how to do it on, on the way to getting here. I didn't have somebody who said, oh, I had done this nonprofit this way, and this is where I got funding. It was all... Try this, try this, try this. If it works, great. If it doesn't, pick yourself up and try something else. Karen, who was your favorite teacher and why? I actually had two. When I was in fifth grade, I lived in Omaha, Nebraska, and Mrs. O'Brien was my fifth grade teacher, and she had all the girls over for a slumber party, and I will never forget that. And when I was in seventh grade, I was living in Charleston, and Mrs. Dunston was my teacher. They actually ended up naming the school after her.
0: What was it? that inspired you with these two teachers?
1: Mrs. O'Brien made me feel loved, and she made us feel special. And Mrs. Dunston made me feel like I could do anything. I was this tall in seventh grade, so people thought I was the teacher when I was in seventh grade. So I was always in a leadership position, and she just gave me just the freedom to be a leader. That confidence that you needed to
0: go forward. And what advice do you have for someone who is interested in doing what you're doing today?
1: The biggest advice is I stepped out on faith and at the time I felt that that's what I needed to do for myself but I literally spent all my savings, all my investment, mortgage, my house, etc. to keep this going. My biggest advice is keep your day job use it to fund your dream and it would be as you're figuring out what it is that you want to do you have a cushion so you don't have to worry about well, how am I going to keep the lights on and bring this dream to life. So my biggest um, advice would be, don't quit your day job.
0: So did you quit your day job? I did. So you didn't take your own advice?
1: <laughs> I didn't take my own advice.
0: So if you were doing it again?
1: If I was doing it again, I would do what I'm doing at night and on the weekends, figure out what it is that I'm doing, and then find some way to fund it other than myself.
0: But it sounds to me that you are a very mission-driven person. So how does this compare to what you were doing before?
1: I was always a teacher. So when I taught school, I used the arts inside the classroom. Then I worked for a company called Xerox. And I had my own jazz band. So I was always using the arts for that. And Auntie Karen was just a combination of all of that. So I've always been doing the work. It just got a name back in 2001. So that name, Auntie Karen, how
0: does it translate into students and their education? How does it help them?
1: I want people to think when you think Auntie Karen, you think love educator and mission and so what I want Auntie Karen to continue to be is a place where you can live your dream you can feel love doing it and you can have people supporting your dream. And
0: why have you chosen the arts as your vehicle?
1: It's in my blood. It's always been a part of my life. I can't imagine life with not having the arts as a part of it.
0: Do you see children who are transformed by it? Oh,
1: Definitely. We do our Young Entrepreneurs Conference, and the little girl that came to see her auntie, who was being featured that year, left there and said, Auntie Karen, I want to start my own business. And I said, great, what do you want to do? She didn't know what she wanted to do then. A few weeks later, she came back and said, I started my own business. Can I show at the conference? And she was four years old. She started a rubber band jewelry business. She's now eight, and this year, she brought her little brother, and her little brother has now started his own business.
0: What's his business? He's an artist. He's
1: an artist.
0: So you are helping to create all these entrepreneurs and artists.
1: Yes. And it just takes, I think, we serve as a catalyst. So it just takes somebody showing them that here's a child that can do it. So they're like, oh, if he can do it or she can do it, I can do it too.
0: You know, we hear so much about education and test scores, and are we meeting those kinds of things? And there are those who would say, well, arts are nice, but you're not doing math and English and all those subjects that you need. How do you answer those challenges?
1: Well, art is integrated in everything that you do. Actually, look at what we're wearing today. And artists saw this, designed it, everything that we have on. and artists helped with this building. So art is a part of everything that we do.
0: And should be, you're saying then, more part of schools. Yes. Thank you very much, Karen Alexander. You're welcome. You've been listening to Women Vision SC, a production of South Carolina Public Radio. You can find video stories and other resources on know it All and SCETV.org. Subscribe to this podcast on NPR One, Apple Podcasts, SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org, or wherever you find podcasts to hear the rest of stories from this season. The producer of Women Vision SC for South Carolina Public Radio and the podcast series is A.T. Shire. William Richardson is the producer-director of the television series. Zhao Yu is associate producer. Tyora Moody is web manager. Special thanks to Bobby Kennedy, director of special projects. For SCETV and South Carolina Public Radio, I'm Linda O'Brien. Thanks for joining us.